And so there's this transition period that's really scary and it was tough. Um, and then ultimately, if you can bridge that transition, that's when you start to really reap the benefits. So yeah, it was the process of going through it was difficult, even kind of making a choice around where to focus. The, the process of bridging that transition and then ultimately kind of breaking through and then you're never done. Like there's always work to do to continue to build on that. So yeah, it's the most difficult business decision you can make, but also the most worthwhile one. Hi, I'm Belded Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'm very pleased to welcome Eric Ressler, founder and creative director of Cosmic, a creative agency that is exploring how digital experiences can spark real-world change. They empower social impact organizations by helping them nail their impact story, build brand awareness, and inspire action. Eric shares what it takes to embrace and stick with a new purpose and strategy, and why doing so was both the toughest and best thing they've ever done. Eric, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. Really glad to have you here with us. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Maybe we could get things going just by you sharing a little about yourself and your background and about Cosmic and how it came to be and what it does. Sure. So myself and my background uh, from a young age really focused on creative expression that showed up in a, in a lot of different ways. Even as I was growing up, everything from creating stop motion films on the original Mac webcam that was all in black and white through, you know, getting into film photography, all kinds of different mixed media art, but eventually started to kind of converge upon digital art. And what I really was drawn to about digital art is I could perfect things. And when I was doing things, you know, by hand, so to speak, I always felt like I couldn't quite articulate what I saw in my mind's eye on the canvas or whatever the format was. And if I had practiced, maybe I could have gotten there, right? And I have a lot of respect for artists who bridge that gap. For me, I, I guess I cheated and I started to go digital. But that really started to move me into the realm of design and looking at the thing that's so beautiful about design is that it's art, but it's purposeful too. I have nothing against art for the sake of art. I think that's a beautiful thing. I appreciate art a lot. But there's also something really beautiful about design in this kind of convergence of art and purpose. And that was really always something that I was drawn to. And so that's a really short recap of my early years. Eric, that's a really interesting way of conceptualizing what design is. I've never heard it described that way as sort of art meets purpose. I love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see that sometimes it's invisible, right? Sometimes the best design is invisible, but everyone's had those really delightful experiences where design has been executed perfectly and things just work the way they're intended to, or they improve your life in a way that you weren't expecting. And I think that's some of the beauty of design. So that, you know, eventually led me down a path of pursuing design professionally. I went to design school and promptly dropped out in favor of actually just doing freelance work as a designer. A lot of, you know, early work on branding and web design and kind of doing really everything for anyone who'd be willing to hire me in the early days coming, you know, straight out of school and needing to pay the bills. 
ultimately that led to me working in a co-working space in Santa Cruz, California, where I still am. And that really got me plugged into a professional network and into a community. And that really supercharged my ability to find work, to connect with people. This was around 2009, 2010, and everyone was starting new businesses because all the businesses had just blown up because of the financial crisis. And so uh, that's a really good place to be as a designer when folks are trying to figure out how to present themselves as a business through their branding, through their messaging, through their website. And ultimately just got to a point where I fell into running an agency without really having a business plan or any capital to start it, just kind of grew it organically. And from there, you know, there's a pretty direct path to between then and where we are now, about 13 years later. Mm -hmm. And sort of how big is Cosmic now? What kind of clients do you work for? What do you do for them? So we're nine people, including myself. And our focus is on the social impact sector. So we work with organizations that exist to move humanity forward in one way or another. A lot of nonprofits, some social enterprises or B Corps, and then some folks kind of on the funding and government side as well. And so given what you said, I would imagine design plays a big part of what you actually do for them. Am I right? And is there anything else? So we help clients with everything from strategy all the way through branding, messaging, positioning, some of that kind of core brand work, helping folks articulate who they are as an organization, who they serve, what's their niche. And then we actually roll that out into mostly digital expression, sometimes real world stuff in print as well. But what we're really trying to help them do through that work is nail their impact story. So figure out how they can articulate their mission and their vision and the work that they do in a way that's compelling and engaging. Build brand awareness so that they can reach target audience and their community that they're trying to reach. And then ultimately actually inspire action, not just put something out that you know people read, but actually creates behavior change in one way or another. Would you say that's Cosmic's purpose is, you know, at the end of the day to create positive behavior change? Or is there some other thing you might point to or a way to describe it? I think so. In the way that it shows up in our day-to-day work, our mission is really to empower these social impact organizations to do their work better than they could without us, without our help. So we're a consultancy in that way. I think in a bigger way, We exist to ask and answer, hopefully, this question of what role does design play in creating positive social change? And we are really lucky because we get to experiment with different approaches to answering that question every day through working with a wide array of clients in different focus areas. So if you had to answer that question, you know, in the 13 years you've been going, what's the answer? The answer is that it has many roles to play. And in many different ways for different types of organizations. I think if I had to distill it, ultimately design is a way of thinking and a way of interpreting the world and a way of acting. And when you start to approach some of these problems through a design thinking lens or a designer's eye, we approach problems differently than a scientist. We approach problems differently than an academic or a researcher or someone who's steeped in kind of the nonprofit industrial complex for better or for worse. And all of those folks have a really important role to play as well. I don't mean to diminish the importance of those perspectives. And I think that design can be more tactical in nature and more aesthetic in nature, and that's beautiful in and of itself. But design can also be a way that you break down problems and reverse engineer new 
and novel solutions to those problems. And so it really kind of depends on how deeply is design integrated. At a surface level, design is the way things look. But as you get deeper and deeper into the levels of design, it's really what you even do is influenced by and determined by thinking from a designer's lens. So this purpose of, you know, sort of empowering other organizations, how did you get to that? Was it something that happened early on or did it sort of emerge? Was it a conscious intent to, we've got to nail our, our purpose? How did all that come about? It's come about in a couple different ways. So in the early days, we were really open to working with all different types of organizations. We didn't have a very tight positioning. You know, we had our our discipline around, you know, doing branding work, doing digital uh, work, building websites, doing messaging. So some of the skills that we focus on today, we, we've focused on and built up a repertoire and experience from the very beginning. But we were doing it for basically anyone who needed those services. We weren't focused on a, a sector of any kind or, a, you know, an industry, so to speak. And I think at the end of the day, our purpose then was similar in that the outcomes were similar. When people bring on a design consultancy or a creative agency, as much as there's an artistic um, aesthetic element to it, ultimately they're trying to drive business outcomes, right? If you're investing in a rebrand, you're not doing it just for the fun of it, right? You're doing it because you expect it to have an, a positive impact on your business and your outcomes as a business and your trajectory as a business. And so in certain ways, we've been doing this since the beginning. But after about seven years of essentially doing it for anyone, we decided we needed to put a stake in the ground and really figure out, can we find a way to... A, differentiate Cosmic from the 40,000 plus other agencies in the U.S. and even more in the world so that we have a distinct um, you know, purpose and, and differentiation from those folks. And also, can we go deeper in a sector as a way to build expertise and uh, not just be pulled in so many directions, but start to see patterns and start to actually develop a more uh, sharpened point of view around how the work should be done within an industry? And I know if it was, you know, six, seven years ago, that's that's reaching a little ways back. But if you can recall, was there a precipitating event? Was there something that led you, and sounds like there were some others, we, you know, to, to think, mm, yeah, we really need to pay attention to this? Absolutely. I think ultimately at about that seven-year mark, for some reason, I think in business and in marriage, that seems to be kind of a big milestone, right? <laughs> I don't know the stats, but a lot of businesses, small businesses don't make it past the three-year mark and then even a fewer make it past seven-year mark. And we were starting to essentially kind of cap out on our growth, not necessarily even in terms of just financially, but we were feeling like kind of we were spinning in place instead of growing and, and progressing. And so we looked at strategically, why might that be? And I think we realized that we needed more focus, that we were pulled in too many directions from, um, uh, you know, our attention as an agency was pulled in too many different directions. And so, yeah, it was a very intentional thing. And we looked at different options around how we could essentially tighten our positioning. Um, and, you know, we did a lot of internal work. We worked with really smart um, partners that kind of helped us believe that it was worth doing and, and guide us through that process and serve as a sounding board, which was extremely helpful. And then we applied our own design thinking lens through the process to, you know, look at the outcomes and our goals and our strategy and 
you know, do some research, do some ideation and ultimately land where we did. What was that like? It was really hard. (laughs) In short, it's actually the hardest thing we've ever done as a business because it's a leap of faith. It's easy to stay broad because there's a safety element to it. I can say yes to anything if I'm broad as an agency. And those options are enticing and seem safer. But the irony is that actually it's less secure to be broadly positioned in a lot of cases as a business. And I think that it still takes a leap of faith, though, to A, make a choice and stick with it and see it through. And then B, to start to say no to a lot of things that don't fit that choice. And bridging that gap is difficult because... It's not like we can just put out there that we're focused on social impact and immediately have authority in that space, right? That takes time to build up. And so there's this transition period that's really scary and it was tough. Um, And then ultimately, if you can bridge that transition, that's when you start to really reap the benefits. So yeah, it was the process of going through it was difficult, even kind of making a choice around where to focus the the process of bridging that transition and then ultimately kind of breaking through and then you're never done like there's always work to do to continue to build on that so yeah it's the most difficult business decision you can make but also the most worthwhile one what led you to social impact as being the place rather than somewhere else we looked at a lot of different options you know not to get too specific with it but we literally created a massive spreadsheet of every client we'd ever worked with and started putting columns there around Did we like the work? Did we enjoy it? Did we feel like our work was impactful? Um, Were we profitable on the project? You know, we looked at all these different vectors to try and just start to see patterns and start to group things. We also looked at, could we double down instead of on a sector or an industry or a vertical, could we focus just on a specialty and apply that specialty across all verticals? So could we say we only do you know, landing page design and we just like nail that or we only do email marketing and we just felt like we couldn't do that as creatives. We're not disciplined enough. We're too curious. We see the whole picture and we really see things when it comes to branding and design and marketing needing to work holistically. And it's really hard to just do one part and have that be successful if the whole machine isn't built properly. And so we pretty quickly decided we can't do that. We need to do a more holistic approach. That's how we've always done it. That works for us. It works for our clients. So now we know we need to target an industry. And we looked at a number of them and we started to just kind of in different ways describe these kind of vague positionings around community oriented work or people oriented work. You know, that's not an industry. Right. And ultimately, we started to look at, okay, this is really about social impact. And that was a term that wasn't actually very popular at the time. Actually, at the time, purpose was the huge, you know, I don't want to say buzzword, but it was becoming increasingly popular and I think used across both the private and public and uh, nonprofit sector in different ways. But ultimately, what we wanted to do in, in our sector is really focused on organizations that exist to do good and to move humanity forward as their core mission, not a separate campaign or an arm of the business. And, you know, I'm not necessarily criticizing those things either, but that was not the market that we were trying to reach. So like large corporations doing you know, corporate social responsibility or sustainability as like part of their own growth as an organization. Again, I support that work when it's done authentically. 
but we were looking for organizations that that's why they started, right? Not something they were adding on after doing something else for 50 years or even in worst cases, creating a lot of harm in their past and then now trying to kind of make up for it. You've used this phrase, moving humanity forward a number of times, which certainly resonates with me. Where in all of this did that kind of come into focus? I guess the direct answer is as we were doing our own work, figuring out how we articulate what we do and who we work with, writing copy for our own marketing materials and our own branding and messaging work is really where it came from. The reason that we resonate with that is because there are a lot of different ways to do this work. And there's not only one solution in terms of like how we make progress. And creating social change is actually really hard, by the way. Which probably isn't super surprising. These are some of the world's most intractable problems that haven't been solved by the government. They haven't been solved by business. They haven't been solved by social impact yet, right? But these organizations are really taking on the most challenging issues. Some of them have been issues for a long time. Some of them are newer issues or issues that have become more problematic recently. These are not easy problems to solve. And I think that's why they're so attractive as a designer, these kind of thorny problems that there is no simple solution. If it were simple, we would have solved it already in many cases, maybe not in all cases. I think that's why this language around moving humanity forward resonates with us because it's not even necessarily that these problems will be solved, but can we at least make progress against them? Yeah. I think many of the problems of the type I think you're talking about are almost at a fundamental technical level insolvable. All you can do is sort of try and move the system in a positive direction. Now, that really resonates with me. Absolutely. Um, Changing a little bit from sort of purpose to strategy, and I suspect much of what we've talked about, you might go, well, that's our strategy too. But I'd be really interested to hear if you have a strategy beyond sort of pursue the sector we've said we're going to go after and do great work. Is there a strategy? And if so, how'd you come up with that? Yeah, there's definitely... A developing strategy. I think we have a strategy that we started with and a strategy that's been evolving as we've made progress, right? So the strategy at the beginning is very different than the strategy today after seven years of doing this. So the strategy at the beginning really was we need to essentially reposition the firm and come up with a new language. We actually did our own rebrand in terms of our uh, a brand refresh in terms of the, the website, the look and feel, how we, but especially what we were saying and how we were positioning the firm. So in the early days, the strategy was reposition, showcase the work we've already done in this sector and start to establish credibility and authority in the space. The strategy in the early days also uh, of this repositioning was we've got a lot to learn about this space and specifically about how the space functions, how funding flows, some of the unique challenges and pain points that are fairly consistent. When you start to build expertise in any given area, what you're really doing is looking for patterns, right? Things that you can identify quickly across multiple sources. And so we were doing a lot of research, doing a lot of learning, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of thinking, and then doing a lot of writing which you know is supported by all of those other things and supports thinking and supports asking questions and doing research. It's actually, I think, the best way to learn is to write uh, or to publish. It doesn't necessarily need to be written, but to create perspectives and put things out there and get reception to it. So those were kind of some of the early strategies. And as we started to 
learn and build expertise and start to see those patterns. Then it was a matter of creating some systems and some workflows and some frameworks for questions we ask clients when they first approach us to how we do the work in a way that might be specific to social impact compared to just doing it for anyone. The expertise that we built doing just work for anyone that's still applicable to social impact. Some of the fundamentals of design and branding and communications that are true for corporations are also true for organizations trying to create change. But there are some specific nuances that are a little different. If you're trying to sell the idea of a better future, you do that in a slightly different way than if you're trying to sell apparel, for example. So in the middle, I guess, of this transition, there was a lot of that work happening, the kind of like formalizing of the process and the expertise and ingraining that into the firm. And then I think as we've grown, now the strategy is really about trying to build more brand awareness for us and the work that we're doing so that we can attract some of the best and brightest organizations in the space because our impact, again, only happens through our clients. So if we can attract clients that have either already a lot of impact that we can uh, multiply or a huge impact potential that our work in partnership could ignite, that's really where we're at at this point. Mm -hmm. What's the most difficult bit that you found about making that happen specifically attracting those types of clients or making the change well i've sort of got this three-part story you know first was the kind of figuring out where we were going and then the learning and kind of systematizing and what needs to be different and now this i get the sense of almost sort of scaling not necessarily even in terms of people but in terms of reputation awareness impact What's been difficult in all that? I think there's challenges along the way in each step. You know, early on, again, there's challenges around taking a bold stance and sticking to it and, you know, trusting that it will work out and with no guarantee that it will, right? And I think that's true for business in general or for any venture in general where you're kind of going out on a limb, right? And you're forging your own path. There's an element of fear of failure always there, right? And if you focus there, you know, I'm a strong believer that, you know, your outcomes are in part influenced by where you put your attention, right? And if you put your attention towards the failure, you're getting closer and closer to that. Sure, you're going to run smack into it. Exactly. So, you know, there's challenges there. I think some of the bigger challenges that we face are the same challenges that everyone faces today, which is how do you win in the attention economy when everyone's playing? And when there's a lot of money and it's a constantly evolving space, right? So getting attention, capturing attention is harder and harder, ironically, as it's easier and easier to connect with people digitally. There's just so much noise. So how do you boost your signal? How do you create content that's worthwhile? How do you forge meaningful connections with your audience instead of it being a one-way blasting out of content? And so I think that's something we're always looking at, different strategies, different tactics, looking at what's working, what's not, and iterating as we go. What's been the most surprising bit of the journey? I think there was a moment where there was some validation that we had built authority and credibility within the sector. And it, it wasn't a moment. It was a series of moments where we started to hear folks come to us that said, oh, we've been following you for years. Really? Yeah. And this happens actually quite commonly for us because 
the nature of the work that we do, it's transformative and it's a big investment, a big commitment in terms of money, energy, time on the client side. And it's got to be the right time for an organization to make that transition. It's not the kind of thing that you do every year or you shouldn't do every year, certainly. And so the likelihood that someone connects with us at the exact right time that they're ready to make that transition is actually exceptionally low. The only case would be if someone's out there have decided they need an agency to start doing a search and find us, which does happen as well. But often people are introduced to an article we've written or a podcast like this that we've been part of. And they're two years away from being ready for that transition. And so, yeah, we commonly get people coming to us saying, hey, we really love the work that you do. We love the you know insights that you publish. I heard you on this podcast, whatever it is. And we're at a point now where we're ready to bring on a creative partner. And that's why we reached out. So I think there's this challenge in this transition was we did not get to really see the benefits and the impact of all this hard work that we'd done for literally years. Um, And it took about three years solidly to start to see that really pay off. That's the most challenging part. That may have had some financial implications, but it sounds like the biggest challenge was kind of the mental discipline to say, no, no, this is going to work. We need to stay in here. We need to keep doing it. Let the world catch up with us because they will. Exactly right. And it was both of those for sure. You know, and I think that is the challenge. There's a similar challenge in organizations moving from a, you know, a licensing model to a subscription model where there might be a huge amount of revenue tied up with licenses. And ultimately, if they can get all those folks over to subscriptions, it will pencil out better. But that gap is a really painful one. You know, we were in the early days still taking on work that was not strictly in our sector to be able to kind of fund the company and keep the engines moving. But, you know, we were able to make that transition. That's the leap of faith, right? You know, there's a lot of intention and thought and research and strategy that went into it, right? We did the research. We we actually partnered with a research firm to look at the market, the state of it, where it's been, where it's going, to make sure it was viable, right? Because if you tighten your positioning to a point where there's not a market there, well, that's not going to pencil out either. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, largely a an act of faith at some level that it would pan out and staying true to the course and not getting distracted by the fear of failure or other shiny opportunities that aren't part of that strategy and sticking to it is definitely a tough part. Yeah. You you, you haven't quite said this and maybe you wouldn't even agree with it, but it sounds like part of the surprise was it actually worked. It may have taken a while longer, but you know, sort of, it did actually, all that thinking and decision-making and everything actually, you know, yeah, it is actually working. A hundred percent. Because I think, you know, you put in time and effort and energy and there's always that nagging voice in the back of your head saying, is like, is this working? Is this working at all? Is anyone hearing us out there? But then you get these through data and analytics or through anecdotes, you get these little golden nuggets of confirmation that like all this investment is actually paying off in one way or another. And those are worth their weight in gold, 100%. How have you been changed through all this? What have you learned along the way? Well, I think along this whole journey, even kind of going back before this repositioning for us, there's been a lot of growth in understanding that in order to grow, you need to reach out outside of your comfort zone. And there have been times where, especially maybe in the early days, that was really kind of intuitive because I was young and ambitious. And I actually spent 
very little time thinking about failure. And then as things became more serious and responsibilities grew and the payroll grew, all of that, you have to be a little bit more considered and careful in your choices because it's not just me um, in the early days. You know, if I didn't land enough work, then I could always go get another job. These days, I have eight people with families on the line outside of myself, right? So I have a responsibility and a commitment to the team to take care of them at some level. And so the growth has really been around how to be strategic and at the same time be bold and make bold choices because all of our biggest growth points over this whole trajectory have always happened after some kind of bold leap of faith that could have failed, right? That could have been potentially even, you know, wrap up shop time if it didn't work out. But if you don't make those leaps, if you don't place those bets, even if they're careful and considered, then there is no growth. Mm -hmm. What advice might you give to a business leader who themselves were wrestling with their own organization's purpose and how to shape a strategy around that? I think at some level, it really comes down to tapping into your authentic self, as kind of cheesy as that sounds. like It really does need to be driven around something that you care about and not something that sounds good or that you think that there's, you know, a potential business in. I mean, you got to make sure that those things are true as well. Again, like you don't want to go down a path that isn't viable. So you have to test your ideas. But I think all of the most successful businesses and organizations are rooted in an intrinsic human drive for something that the founding team or the founder cares deeply about. And I think that it can be hard to trust that that's worth pursuing. But if you can trust that it's worth pursuing and get creative about how to pursue it, I think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. What haven't we touched on that would be good to explore a little bit? I think, and this is something that's maybe becoming much more discussed and talked about these days, but as a founder or a leader as an organization or or even you know maybe you're not a founder or a leader but you you have a lot of care and energy that you put into your work life how do you balance that outside of work to ensure that you can show up at your best and that's been something that i know for sure for me if i don't have that other part of my life in balance i can't show up well at work I think that's just a human truth, right? You can do short stints of, you know, pushing too hard and, you know, sometimes you got to do that, right? If you're just getting started, you got to grind and you got to hustle to get that going. You might work long hours. And I think this is something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about as an organization and individually. How do you create a system that's sustainable long term? You can't sprint forever, right? The irony of that is we do sprints with our clients, but um <laughs> We have ways that we balance that out from, you know, a four day work week to, you know, uh, periods of pausing and reflection between things. So I think, you know, how that shows up for me personally has changed many times over the years. But if we just look at the things that we know are important as humans, if we think about, you know, movement, exercise, social connection, time in nature, things that tap into our human selves if you don't have enough of those things sustaining you as a whole person, then there's no way the part that you give to your organization is going to be the best part that you could give it. Yeah, I think that's a very important point. 
least in my experience, particularly for people who are working in organizations that are, you know, kind of deeply purpose-driven, that they're really committed to something that matters. I think it's a, a really big challenge. It definitely is, yeah. I think to spin it more positively, when you do that, then you are able to show up more fully and that's when you can do your best work. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that because if you're so driven by the purpose, if you're so driven by the importance of the work, don't forget that your work is only effective if you can show up at your best. And that's the best thing you could do for the purpose or for the work. Eric, it's been a real pleasure. I'm really glad you could join us. I really, really appreciate a lot of the value you've contributed on this and wish you and the rest of Cosmic all the best. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.